Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. Well, I'm Reverend Catherine Bonin, and it's my pleasure to be here with you again. Over the years, I've been able to be here several times, and this time only without my buddy. But he's here in spirit. I know he is, and maybe he's even watching. So, uh-oh. <laughs> so a man sat down at the lunch table at work, and he opened his lunch, and he looked at his sandwich, and he said, a cheese sandwich? I hate cheese sandwiches. And his coworker said, really, I love cheese sandwiches. And he, he said, I hate cheese sandwiches. I don't know why I have cheese sandwiches all the time. The next day, the guy opens his lunch and he says, there's another cheese sandwich. He says, another cheese sandwich? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna die from these cheese sandwiches. I hate cheese sandwiches. The third day, same thing. He opens his lunch, oh my gosh, another cheese sandwich. I'm so sick and tired of cheese sandwiches. So his, his co-worker says, why don't you just tell your wife not to make you cheese sandwiches anymore? And the guy says, she doesn't, I don't have a wife. She doesn't make me cheese sandwiches. I don't have a wife. He says, well, who makes your sandwiches? And the guy says, I do. <laughs> so how many times do we know that we should do something and we don't do it, right? Today is about self-care, and it's about the evolution of self-care. And that phrase was coined in the 50s, and it was created as a result of doctors studying patients in mental institutions. And they learned that if the patients focused their attention on hygiene, eating well, exercising, and getting good sleep, they didn't need as much intervention, and they were much better behaved. So that idea continued in, to be spread in the mental health industry. And then in the, fifth, in the 60s and 70s, with the women's movement and the civil rights movement, it started to become a little bit politicized. And get my glasses here. Well, here they are. And um, people started using this idea of self-care as a way to almost protest and to make their presence known. Um, they found that controlling, they could control their health. It was one thing that they actually could control, what they did for themselves. And so it was a way to kind of protest against that patriarchal, patriarchal white medical system that, that seemed to want so much control over people and their needs. So self-care became more community-based. And it allowed them to have autonomy, people to have more autonomy over themselves. 
And then in the mid-80s, an activist by the name of Audre Lorde said, caring for myself is not an act of self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Then in the 90s and in the 2000s, academics began to look for ways that people who were in high-stress jobs could eliminate some of the stress trauma and trauma that they receive. Things like people like therapists and social workers and EMTs and firefighters. And they, this helped them combat some of the stress they had on the job. Then after 9-11, it became a little more mainstream because people were looking for ways to get rid of some of that stress and that emotion that was coming up, especially people who were working in those service professions. It was a way for the American public to regain resiliency after the nation saw that terrible tragedy. And then look at what COVID, look at the toll COVID took on all of us, from politicians to physicians to preschoolers. Everyone was impacted by the stress of COVID. And you know, um, this idea was investigated just a couple years ago by CNN. And I thought that with COVID, a lot of us were taking more time for self-care. But what CNN found out was that 69% of Americans, just a little over 18 months ago, said they needed to slow down, that they wanted more time to relax. And you know that we're spending now, we're spending eight and a half less hours a week on leisure time than we were 10 years ago. So self-care is even more important today than it was then. It's become more widely adopted and it's become a widespread term. Simply put, self-care is taking care of your needs first, however that looks. It means putting your own oxygen mask on first because we can't help anybody if we're flopping around on the floor, right? <laughs> Wayne Dyer in a talk in Nashville, Tennessee, came up to the stage with an orange. And he looked at a 12-year-old boy right in the front row, and he said, if I squeeze this orange, what's going to come out of it? And the little boy looked at him and said, well, juice. And Wayne said, what kind of juice? Will it be apple juice? And the little boy laughed and said, not apple juice. How about grapefruit juice? No, not grapefruit juice. Well, what's going to come out of it? Orange juice, the boy said. And Wayne said, why? And the little boy looked at him and said, because that's what's inside. <laughs> Somebody squeezes you, what comes out? <laughs> Powerful question, isn't it? And you know what's interesting is it doesn't matter who does the squeezing. It can be a politician. It can be your spouse. It can be someone who cuts in front of you on the street. It doesn't matter who does the squeezing, but what's inside of you is what comes out. So we need to really pay attention of what's inside. It can be our mother, our brother, our boss, anybody or anything that impacts our inside. The next experience we have, we just kind of regurgitate it out there, right? Because what's out there is always a reflection of what's in here. So it's a circle, just like God is a circle, with no beginning and no end. Well, when you, I get squeezed, I might not be so nice to that next person I talk to, and I don't want that to happen. And you don't want that to happen either. <laughs> Many of us are natural givers, and we let other people's energy sometimes zap us. We let, it, we let what happens there emotionally drain us, and that's squeezing like an orange, right? 
it can drain us emotionally, mentally, physically, even intellectually, and of course, spiritually. And when we get to that place where we no longer react from love, we, we should look at that and we know that that's an indication that something's wrong, right? It's time for us to look at the balance in our life. And when that, when it comes, when what comes out of us is anything other than love, it's important for us to ask, what do I need right now? To look at self-care. And when we make that a priority and let go of any guilt around caring for ourselves, we become more rested, more calm, more peaceful, and more loving. And then the juice that comes out of us represents that. Caring for yourself isn't selfish. It's a sacred responsibility. Parker Palmer said, self-care is never a selfish act. It's good stewardship. Anytime we give ourselves the care we require, we not only do it for ourselves, but for everyone else whose life we touch. So we all know what it's like to feel depleted, right? To feel empty. And is there a blessing to feeling that way? What do you think? I've learned the hard way that it's important to turn challenges into opportunities. And A Course in Miracles a long time ago taught me that nothing happens to us. Everything happens for us. And if I'm uncomfortable, then something's up for me to heal. I have to look at what's making me feel uncomfortable, what's making me feel squeezed. And I have to remind myself of that. This is really important. It's, it's spirit within me saying, pay attention. Pay attention. Don't miss this. You know, I, I often talk about an analogy that I have to remind myself of all the time, that spirit throws these little pebbles at the window of our life saying, pay attention, ping, pay attention, ping, pay attention, ping, and what do we do? We don't pay attention, <laughs> right? And then what happens is a rock comes through the window, and there's glass all over the floor, and we find ourselves sitting on the floor picking up the glass. Can you relate? Then we call a glazer to come and put a new piece of glass in, but we still don't pay attention. So what happens next? The boulder falls on our head. I bet everybody can relate to that, right? We've all had boulders fall on our head in our life. And the, the secret here is to avoid those boulders and then ultimately avoid the rocks and the broken glass and notice the pebbles. And that little feeling of discomfort within us, that feeling that we're being squeezed, is that pebble. It's that notice of discomfort. It's that spirit saying, pay attention. So the evolution of your own personal self-care practice evolves, begins to really evolve when you set an intention to pay attention and then follow through. Because self-care is about filling your cup. We can't give from an empty vessel. Otherwise, we give stuff that's not so kind. We have to give from overflow. We have to give that love, and we feel, when we feel filled up, we're able to give from that place. When we're de depleted and we don't care, of our, care about ourselves, things can get pretty messy. So there was a cobbler in southern Italy, and he was the only cobbler in the whole town. And he took care of everybody's boots and shoes, and he worked 15, 18 hours a day, but he never took care of his own. And after a couple years, his shoes and boots all were pretty tattered. And he started to get sores on his feet. And then he started to limp. And then pretty soon, 
He got so bad that he couldn't work anymore. He couldn't fix anybody else's shoes. And pretty soon the whole town started to limp and get sores on their feet. So what happens when we don't take care of ourselves is that that spreads out there, right? It spreads to the rest of the world. So that self-care is so critical, not only for ourselves but for everyone that we encounter. The way we take care of ourselves is the way that we honor and appreciate God within, spirit within. Because God is here always and in all ways. And if we really believe the stuff that this, these principles and this philosophy teaches us, that God is everywhere in everything, then I know God is in me and God is in you. And if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not honoring that spirit within me. That presence of God, that presence of wisdom, that presence of joy, of truth, of love, of wholeness, it always expresses itself through each of us. And we know that God is omnipresent everywhere, omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient. All-knowing. But we sometimes forget. And sometimes we forget more often, <laughs> and sometimes not quite as often, but we all, we, we all forget. But as we grow in spirit, we forge a closer walk. And then we remember, because we notice more. We notice those pebbles up against those pains. And we remember and we practice more. It starts with a paradigm shift. It starts with an intention to notice the pebbles, notice those little irritations in every single area of our, of our life. You know, according to a study at the Whole Being Institute on positive psychology, people who thrive take care of themselves in five ways. First, they focus on cultivating spirituality. They focus on leading a meaningful life. Second, they take care of their physical bodies, especially tapping into that connection between their mind, their thoughts, and their bodies. Three, they're intentional about an intellectual, uh, intellectual stimulation, learning. How many here are lifelong learners? Right. Being intentional about that is a spiritual practice. They nurture constructive and positive relationships with themselves and with others. And finally, they're not afraid of their emotions. They're mindful of them. They pay attention to what comes up. Self-care is how we demonstrate self-love, and it paves the way for us to evolve in all of those areas, physically, mentally, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. It all starts in consciousness, but doesn't everything start in consciousness? It starts with making a decision and an intention to be happy, to lead a fulfilled life, and to notice when we get off track to not let those boulders fall on our head. And without awareness, it's impossible to reach our full potential. It's impossible to give what it is we came here to give, that presence of love. We came here not just to be. We came here to be the presence of love on this planet, to be the presence of God in a way that only each of us individually can be. On page 56 in The Spiritual Universe and You, Ernie says, love alone shall reveal the self to the self. I love that. When we love ourselves, we know ourselves more. And guess what? We know God more. And that walk can get closer. And isn't that what we all want? I had a wonderful teacher by the name of Alice Bandy in ministerial school. And 
And she used to say, we're all here so that we can return home. And isn't returning home getting back to that essence of love, that truth of who we are? You know, I lead a lot of women's retreats, and there's a lot of talk in women's circles about the archetypes of a woman as she evolves through life, the maiden, the mother, and sometimes called the crone, now called the wise woman. And I woke up the other morning thinking, I wonder if there are archetypes like that for men. And you know, there are. There are. And I found a beautiful poem that I want to share with you. It says, I am the boy. I see the world with childlike wonder. I tap a delightful rhythm with my stick. I'm in reverence of life all around me, loving, playing, and finding my way. I am the man. I walk the earth with my staff at the ready to protect, create, and gather what she has to give. I hold the lives of those I helped create within my arms, looking to the stag in the distance. I am the elder, my staff now a wand, my strength now words, my speed given up for wisdom. I pass my stories to those who wish to listen and learn. And Maya Angelou said, as you grow, you'll discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself and the other for helping others. Notice helping yourself was first. We're all evolving and we're all becoming. And as we do that, we see the value in service. But that can't happen until we get our own lives together, right? We have to do our work before we can really be of service to anyone else. There's a master falconer named Rodney Stotts who lives in Washington, DC. And he has an organization called Rodney's Raptors. And what he does is he takes birds of prey who have been wounded out onto the streets. And he shares them with people who are homeless, people who are addicts, people who are down and out on their luck. He goes to juvenile detention facilities and shares how he helped nurture these birds of prey back to health. He says, I myself was once a bird with a broken wing. Working with those injured birds has taught me that it's okay to trust, to let someone else help me heal. See, self-care can look a lot of different ways. If you ask Professor Google, he'll tell you that it's face masks and foot massages and pedicures and manicures. And it might look like a healthy meal. It might look like a walk in nature. It might look like a good cry. It might look like saying no to someone or setting a boundary. It might look like a nap or a hug or asking for what we need and trusting that we're going to get it because an empty lantern can't give any light. We can't nurture anyone if we're not full. We can't help anyone if we're not coming from that place of fullness. And if we practice preventative wellness, noticing those pebbles, then we can, we can respond and we can address what's going on within ourselves so that we don't have a mess out there to deal with so that we can come from a place of strength and wisdom and knowledge and abundance and love. And those of you that have seen me here before have probably heard me ask this question, and I'm going to ask it again. How many people have a yoga practice here? I love to use this as an example, because has anybody ever heard of yoga perfect? <laughs> it doesn't exist. 
Yoga practice is a practice, just like spiritual practice is a practice. You do it over and over and over again, not to get it perfect. You do it over and over and over again, and it becomes a part of who you are. And just like yoga can transform your, transform your body, spiritual practice can transform your life. And there's so many forms of spiritual practice. I want to invite you to think of self-care as spiritual practice. It's a starting point. It's not the end game. It's the starting point of conscious growth and development and that close walk. Anne Lamont, the American novelist and uh, nonfiction writer and political activist, says, almost everything will work if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. <laughs> so schedule some time for nurturing, for self-care. See it as a spiritual practice. Make the time because you deserve it. And speaking of self-care as a spiritual practice, I want to invite you to come to the workshop we're having this afternoon. And I want to show you some of those prayer beads. I'm going to pass these around and know that they're going to make their way back to me. So prayer is a spiritual practice, right? Yeah. Prayer and meditation. And some people think that all you, the only spiritual practice you need to do is that 10 minutes in the morning or 10 minutes at night or 10 minutes at some point in the day. Not true. All of life can be a spiritual practice. And it is a spiritual practice. Noticing and paying attention to those pebbles, as I said, is a spiritual practice. So there are nine formal religions and spiritual traditions that use beads as a means of counting and keeping track of prayer and devotion. So I created a way to have a treatment strand for the five steps of treatment. And this is what it looks like. Starts out with three breaths. God is, and in this particular one, God's a circle with no beginning and no end, encompassing everything. This is the I am stone. This is I know. This is a gratitude stone. And here's where I let go. And I use these every day. When I, when I do prayer, I have them in my purse, in my car, in my living room, in my kitchen, in my bedroom. I have them all over because it means something to me. It's a tactile way for me not to think but to really be present. And it involves my whole body. So I'm going to pass a couple of these around and let you look at them and touch them and feel them and see if, you're, if it speaks to you to come and join us this afternoon. And you'll help me get that one moved around, if you will. And pass it around so people can take a look at it. And it's just a simple way to, to be in that place of devotion, but it's a fun way. So now, I want to close with one more story. A professor stood in front of the, on the first day of one, uh, Philosophy 101 to all the students in the class, several hundred. And in front of him, he had a jar, he had a rock, a box, a bag, a box and a bag. And oh, a jar, a rock, some stones, a box and a bag. So he, so he took the jar. He didn't say anything. And he put the stone in the jar, careful not to break it. Then he put some of the stones in the jar. Then he opened the box, and he poured a whole bunch of sand in the jar. And then he reached underneath the table, the platform, and he got out a beer. And he opened the beer, and he poured the beer in there. All the while, he was asking those kids, is the jar full? Well, they started saying yes when the rocks were in there and the stone. And then when the sand was in there, they were convinced it was full. But when he poured that beer in there and nothing spilled out, he said, this is your life. 
That rock is you. The stones are all those important things in your life, your partner or spouse, your job, your kids, all those things that give you great pleasure. Those are the important things in your life. Those are the stones. He said, the pebbles, those are the things that aren't quite as important, but they're important. And the sand, that's just the little stuff, the little stuff that really doesn't matter that much. But notice how it fills in all those spaces. And the beer, well, that's just a whole bunch of fun. <laughs> and he said, now, imagine if I put the beer in first, and then I put the, the, the sand, and then the pebbles, and then the stones, would there be any room for the rock? Of course not. Of course not. He's take care of the big rock first, the things that really matter, and then the stones, and then the pebbles, and then the sand, and then let yourself have a beer. <laughs> because if you take care of things in that order, if you set your priorities, everything else falls into place because the rest is just sand and beer. The relationship that we have with ourself is more important than any other relationship because it's the same relationship that you have with God. You're there for you no matter what. And God is there for you no matter what. It's not always easy, and it takes practice, compassion, and lots of learning and relearning, and lots of paying attention and listening for those pings from the pebbles. How do you talk to yourself? It's one of the first things you can start paying attention to. How do you talk to yourself? Have you ever really paid attention to that voice in your head? In The Untethered Soul, Michael Singer says, we're not the voice in our head. We are the one who's listening to that voice in our head. We're the observer. So if we can start listening right now, we'll notice that that voice sometimes throws pebbles, probably more often than not. And in the book, You're a Badass by Jen Sincero, she says, we fail to realize that instead of being our own worst critic, we should try being our own best friend. We should root for ourselves. Wouldn't that be great to root for ourselves? So this month, as you start your month on self-care, think about how you talk to yourself. Make a conscious decision to be kinder to yourself, to pay attention, to ask yourself about this most important relationship and what you can do to take care of yourself when you're feeling those moments of discomfort. And then the next time you're eating an orange, Squeeze it just a little bit and remember that what's inside is always what comes out. So let's pray. From this place of deep knowing and deep connection, I see myself as a sunbeam to the sun, just as I see each person here as a sunbeam to the sun, an individual expression of God, but connected to source, always and in all ways connected. And it's from that place of connection that I know the truth of this message today, the truth that as I take care of myself, I am honoring and taking care of that spirit within. That everything is for me, that nothing happens to me that everything is good because it's all God. I know for each person here that they take some tidbit of information here and perhaps they never look at rocks and stones and pebbles the same. 
But I know each person takes something from this service today, whether it's the message or the music or the meditation or just a connection with another beautiful being here. Each person here has had an expression of God, and I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for the ability to walk out into this day and pay attention, to be able to have the wisdom and the intelligence and the knowledge of these principles, to be able to make a commitment to myself, just as I know each person here does, to pay attention, to put my own oxygen mask on first, to take care of myself, and to honor that spirit within so that I can be that presence of love in the world, just as I know each person here is. And so with a full heart, filled with gratitude and love and appreciation, I release my word to that law of mine, that law that always, always says yes. And I call it good because I know that it is. And so it is. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.